for Johnny. Has he done it? He sure has. Pass breaker for the Wallabies. Manchester City is still alive here. Balotelli. Aguero. What's the score with Aaron and Isaac? Hello and welcome back to another episode of What's the Score with Aaron and Isaac. Hello. 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 How has your week been? It's been good. It's been good. Uh, yeah, I don't so think there's much had, to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had F1 livery, someone kicking a cat. What more could you want? Exactly. another normal episode of Aaron and I, uh, of What's the Score with Aaron and Isaac. Isaac. I think we should start with well, the news. Well, before we do, oh. uh, I thought it was worth a mention. It's not just a normal episode. We've got an interview later on oh, with yes. a rally driver. What a great experience that was to chat to him. Um, he was a great guy. This was Josh. Uh, so, yes, do stay tuned for that. That'll be off with the news. Right. The news. Yes, Aaron, kick us off. Uh, James Anderson and Stuart Broad have both been left out of England's 16-man squad to face the West Indies next month. With 640 scouts in 169 matches, 39-year-old Anderson is, the, is both the most prolific and experienced seamer in Test history, while 35-year-old Broad is close behind with 537 in 152 appearances. The pair has become synonymous with England's Red Bull side for over a decade. But it seems the post-Ashes Cull, which has already accounted for head coach Chris Silverwood, assistant Graham Thorpe and managing director of men's cricket Ashley Giles, all losing their jobs, have now moved to the field. Now, it's, it's, I think Cull is a strong word, but it's effective because, quite frankly, anyone who's anyone to do with England has been fired and some players have been left out. But Joe Root is still captain. There is still hope. For the most, uh, for the best batsman in 2021 to slave us in all Test matches, Isaac and, and Jimmy, we, we all like Jimmy. So. But he's out, sadly. Yeah, he, is, he is for now, but he's not like he's not lost his job. No, no, uh, he hasn't. But it's it's mental. We shouldn't have done it. Uh, some news from across the pond now, Isaac. Yes, uh, interesting news for you, Caitlin Jenner, uh, the former racing driver and Olympic champion. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> has launched a new team, Jenner Racing, which will compete in the third season of W Series in 2022. Jenner has hailed as the world's greatest athlete by Time magazine after winning the decathlon at the 1976 Olympic Games in Montreal, Canada, by setting a third straight world record. Now she has uh, set her sights on further success with Jenner Racing. The W Series consists of Formula One support races at eight Grand Prix weekends and will start in Miami in May. The series had a global reach of more than half a billion viewers in 2021 when it began its partnership with Formula One. Um, so, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, very interesting. I loved it when it came out because the livery on the generating car is lovely. It's like a cross between rich energy and half, but not rich energy and half. It hasn't got any Russia about it. Okay. It's more sort of... It's just black and gold. It's a lovely colour. It's a lovely livery. Very much Lotus-esque. Uh, looks good. Yeah. And hopefully also, the, you can win. Yeah, for for, uh, for W Series as well, it's a massive thing, really. It's like you've got uh, this big celebrity coming into this sport, which will hugely boost it. It will bring in a whole new set of fans, I think. And um, yeah, it's amazing for the sport in particular. And yeah. I didn't know Caitlyn Jenner was a racing driver and no. or Olympic champion. 
Well, I, think, I thought she was well, just like a reality star. Yeah. I think as a podcast, we should throw our endorsement behind Generating. Agreed? Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Gener- if anyone from Generating is watching, bang our logo on your car. Thanks very much. Right. Bish bash bosh. <laughs> yeah. Simple as. Um, Lando Norris has committed his Formula One future to McLaren by extending his contract until the end of 2025. The new deal means that Norris now has the longest contract on the F1 grid and ties and ties the rising British superstar and iconic British team together well into the sport's new era. With McLaren hoping to return to title-winning ways, Norris only signed a multi-year extension last year, but after a fantastic third season in the sport, which saw him claim his first pole position and four podiums, both driver and team were keen to, quote, lock in a commitment. And I think it's what we all want to hear, um, to give us some hope that not everyone will go to Mercedes. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, interesting stuff for you. Lando was at the Brits on Tuesday, so yeah, okay. he he presented an award, did he not? Oh, did he? I, yeah. I didn't actually see. And he that also bit. went, I think, with his girlfriend. Yeah, he did. So you know, Ooh, Lando. So, well um, done, Lando. We're proud of you. Absolutely. Uh, okay, now this is the interesting story of the week. Uh, it's about West Ham's Kurt Zuma. Zuma's cats have been taken away by the RSPCA after a disturbing video emerged of him hitting, dropping and kicking his pet across this kitchen floor on Monday. The 27-year-old West Ham defender issued an apology, but Essex Police confirmed urgent inquiries were underway in conjunction with the RSPCA. The RSPCA released a statement on Wednesday saying the cats are safe and in our care. West Ham have also fined the player two weeks' wages, understood to be £250,000, which will be donated to animal welfare charities, which is uh, great stuff. The club initially condemned their player's actions after the video emerged, but back manager David Moyes' decision to start the player as captain, may I state, for the win against Watford on Tuesday night. Um, this was weird. It's a baffling story. Um, basically, Kurt Zuma released a video of him drop-kicking his cat. And it yep. just slid across the kitchen. Yeah, but, um, it's just weird. Like, why? It's, why? It's, yeah, I mean, I'm not condoning you, someone doing that. But if you are gonna do it, you don't post it on Instagram. <laughs> no, all. you're right. He, like, he did it in front of his child as well. He was chasing it around the kitchen, hitting it. Like, it's just animal. Like, why would you post that? Why would you do it in the first yeah, place? Yeah, I mean. It's, it makes no sense. This is just weird. These last few months have been weird in terms of football yeah. players doing weird things. You, 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 you've had the Greenwood stuff. You've had uh, Mendy getting more charges added More, more charged, yeah. Yeah, more charges. Uh, and then Kurt Zuma feeling a bit of the Six Nations vibe and drop-kicking a cat. Yeah, and then Wayne Rooney said some weird stuff, but, you know, we'll just leave it like that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but really, if you're a footballer, say some weird stuff. It's your time of the year. Okay. Well, finally, we're going to finish off with one of the biggest stories uh, for us, anyway, this week. The Commonwealth Games will feature eSport as a pilot event for the first time. Featuring competitors from across the Commonwealth, eSports are sanctioned by the Commonwealth Games Federation Executive Board to be held at the same time as the Commonwealth Games. However, it will have separate branding, medals organisations and governance, led by the Global eSports Federation. Uh, President Dame Louise Martin said, I am delighted that we are announcing the first Commonwealth Esports Championships to take place in Birmingham this summer. Uh, this is massive, I think. Commonwealth Games have been a big thing uh, for sport for years, but bringing esports into it, I think 
it's a good choice, I think, overall. Uh, um, yeah, but you raised an interesting point when you were looking through the news and when we were deciding what to put on the show. Um, what what games fit yeah. the esports Commonwealth games? Because for me, right, esports. So if for those of you who don't know, esports is basically online competitive gaming. Um, that I think works. It works really well if it for games like FIFA, Formula One, um, like NBA, the games and golf games. But when you get into things like League of Legends, Rocket League is, uh, I reckon that's okay because it's a team, it's not a sport, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, League of Legends, that sort of thing, it gets a bit controversial. Now, for a Commonwealth Games, if you're having it at the Commonwealth Games, surely you have to do sports games and sports games only, right? Like if you do the Formula One game, FIFA, you get away with NBA. Apart from that, I mean... Yeah, I think where they're going with it is... Um... Because obviously the separate, it, it's the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth Games is not going to be, not going to have an esports event as such. So what I get from this is that it's a thing ran at the same time as the Commonwealth Games that will feature Commonwealth people, but won't exact. But is not a Commonwealth Games pure event. But it's part of the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, but the separate bound branding is the bit that get. I don't yeah. know how they're going to do it. But it is so. The e- esports is going to be part of the Commonwealth Games. That's what we know. But it will be a, a bit different. Um, but then the the point you raise is that if it esports, if that is an event in itself, then you surely you you've just got to have your esports main competitions like your League of Legends, your Rocket League, your FIFA. But if you're doing esports as Commonwealth and you want to make it sporty. Then you do your FIFA, your Formula One, your NBA. So it's confusing, uh, but it's interesting I, I, anyway. Yeah, I think stuff. when the plan is revealed, we will go more in depth and discuss this when we know what's happening. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, there we go. That was the news. There'll be more of that next week. Okay, well, the news is done. Now, it's time for our interview. But before we do hey! that, it's corner taken quickly. Oh, no! Uh, well, actually, on the topic of esports, here's an interesting question for you. When, what year, was the first esports tournament? God knows. 1995. No, 1972. What? What, yeah. what were they playing? Um, Atta- or the Intergalactic uh, Space War Olympics. Nice, you know, <laughs> keeping it real. There you go. There you go. That's that. Okay. Um, yes. So now it's time for our interview with Josh. Uh, this is us talking to him about his rally driving. What's the score with Aaron and Isaac? Okay, so we are now joined by a very special guest. We have Josh here, and Josh uh, does or has done a bit of rally driving. Hello, Josh. Okay, so first of all, how do you get into rally driving? Um, short answer. Sure. Money. Yes. Okay, <laughs> well, okay, this is a podcast which requires audio to come out with a slightly longer answer. So, with, with the long answer, it, essentially money is the main thing. It's a very expensive sport. You're, you're paying essentially for these big cars. So you start out Every mode sport you do, rallying, road racing, or whatever, starts at go-karts. And 
that that often comes from your dad and you just owning a car and going down to the track um and, and from there you can get sponsors you can build up and you, you can always get into Janetta's the gt series that's the kind of route that i went i went into the gt5 series um uh, which is purely Janetta. um i believe i don't know if there's any other cars but it mainly revolves around there from there again it's building up getting more sponsors and you're just trying to work up there to get into rallying that was a different story that's one of the ones that doesn't that's if you're trying to do it on a budget rallying's the way to go because it's just you and a few of your friends in a garage building a car and racing on the roads that, yeah that's that, that's, that's pretty good so in, in terms of you then, is I assume you started through um, go-karts as well? Yes, that's correct. So I started six, seven years old. So my dad, it, it started out as my dad's dream because he always wanted to get into racing, but he never had the finances to be able to himself. So when it came to me, it was very much, oh, I need to teach you to drive. I need you to go on and get into the go-kart. So around seven years old he took me and we started out in rentals um and then he took me to a few track days and there was a sponsor there who saw me and they paid a little bit for me to have a go in some of their carts i got into that and i think around the age of 14 i started to get my license to actually racing cars as soon as i got into some cars he then got me into a genetta team and that was my main next step at around 14 years old. And one of the big things that really sold it for me, and it's starting to sell it for a lot of new people, is sim racing. There's a lot of sort of, you don't need to spend that much to get into it because that's always been a big block for racing. It costs a lot to get into, but sim racing, you can pay £300 maybe to get a rig. And as long as you're mm, quick yeah. there, you're straight in, you know. It's one yeah. of those things that's good. You know, FIFA, you can't just play that and boom, you're an amazing footballer, you know, but sim racing. James well, I, I like to think I am when I play FIFA. But... <laughs> well, you're not. You're, you're really not, Isaac. I, I won't prove your ego there a little bit there. <laughs> um, With like that entire, I, I, I take it you probably are a sim racer now? Um, Yeah, so at the moment, because of college, it's kind of hard to do college, work, everything. It's too much. So I stopped about a year ago now, um, just mm. to focus on that. And it's sim racing and coaching at the moment is the only thing I do. Yeah, um, with the sim racing, obviously you talk about being a um, less of a financial I want to say burden or less find that financial commitment but do you think that people like will be happy going into sim racing is it fulfilling because obviously you see race that rally on the tv all the time but you don't see a lot of sim racing i mean at the moment i would say it's becoming a very big thing and a lot of that was due to the whole global pandemic and lockdown. If you would have asked me three years ago, I'd have said, no, it's going to amount to nothing if it's at the end of the day a video game. Um, 
But if you've seen online, they've done the esports and the F1 2020 series. Mm, they've yeah. actually been doing a lot of them online and they're actually on the TV that you can see. So I'd say it is a mounting up now. You're getting these motion platforms as well as VRs playing a big role. So I think it's about as fulfilling as you want it to be. You know, you can go down to a track in a car and you can still sit there and think, oh, I'm only racing a Ginetta, I'm not in Formula One. At the end of the mm. day, you're always going to want more. So it, it depends on you. But I would say it's just as fulfilling. Yeah. Um, well, you spoke about lockdown briefly then. What, um, obviously, it's been hard for everyone who does sports, but what, how, how did it particularly affect your sport and the training you do for it? Yeah, so that was one of the parts which was really tricky. So when you're running a race, you have to have a lot of staff there. These don't work on a small amount. So it's not like you can just go for a run, you know, and that's your training. You have to get time down at the track. And that's quite tricky because you've got marshals at every post. You've got to have ambulance crews. Everything needs to be set up and in the right place. And you can't really do that in a lockdown restriction. So there was a period where it was no tracks at all. We just weren't allowed. The only people that could do that were like Formula One, LMP1, sort of the big tier mm. races. And honestly, if you weren't them, you weren't allowed. So we had to devote a lot of our time to the simulators. So it was playing around a lot of things like a set of Corsa and everyone was trying to do it remotely. And for the most part, yeah, it worked with like track familiarization, really learning where the track was. But it just didn't feel the same because you're not turning a corner and getting chucked into the side of your car anymore. You don't feel like you're getting beaten up in the car. It just wasn't there. So throughout all like the res restrictions, it sounds like you almost had to chop and change between doing actual physical car stuff and sim racing. How did you like adjust to it from like bit one week being able to be not being able to do the physical car driving to being back in the car? How how was the adjustment? Oh, it was hard. Um, it, it was really hard because driving is a lot more physical than you realise because these cars, you're running them at very high rev ranges. They've got very powerful brakes and they weigh next to nothing. So you'll turn a corner and I don't know if you've ever gone out with your friends and turned around about a little too quick and you get thrown into the side of the car. That is similar to the feeling, but it's a lot more powerful so you're still trying to focus on the road ahead but you're trying to withstand these forces and in the sim you don't have that you know you hit the brakes in the simulator cool you've just got a heavy pedal that's about it but in terms of this in an actual car your whole body gets thrown forward you're trying to keep your head up and that was one of the biggest challenges being able to like support yourself inside of the car the actual driving more or less stayed the same between them but it was dealing with the conditions yeah so when you're so when you're outside of the car and outside of the sim as well do you do any sort of other training to sort of get your body in that shape to to be able to withstand those forces yeah so for the most part it's you just need generic physical training you know just general weights but you also it's things like the neck and the wrists and the forearm 
you really need to build up like the accessories to everything you're doing because they play in a lot more essentially your whole body is under stress and these accessory things are the things that really account for it but you've got to spend not just the same amount of times on the physical aspects but on a lot more of the mental stuff so you need to be able to keep quite aware so you can really ease it for yourself in the car if you've got good reactions if you've got good eyesight if you can really focus ahead you can plan so you can brace beforehand if you're not as good at that it really makes it a lot harder physically so that was one of the bigger things that we were trying to do outside really get my reactions going and that that was probably the most exciting part of training well um your mentality while you're racing i'm just quite interested in that because um obviously there's there's been there's been like horror horror accidents and i'm sure you've probably at least seen at least one um what's your like mentality in that do do have you ever found yourself saying i'm not sure if i want to do this anymore because like that could be me in there um I mean, that's a question that is something that I think we all try to avoid, but we're all aware of. It's just that thing we try to put aside and forget about. Every one of us knows the risk. We get into that car knowing the risk, but in a way, we don't care. If I'm honest, on the grid, everyone's got a massive ego. And I think that's what you need, because if you sit there thinking, oh, that could be me, you're probably not going to make it. You know, it's a sport where you're essentially, you're playing chicken with each other to see who can break the latest, who's going to go closer to that wall. And so you can't focus on it too much. And it, it's a challenge, but I think since you do it from a young age, you forget about it. When you're young, when you're six or seven, you don't understand these concepts. And so it doesn't really play anything when you're there. And you, as you've grown up to it, you're kind of used to it. You're used to the pre-race feelings. It amounts to nothing. But one of the things I know, so I was doing a bit of open wheel Formula 4 racing, and one of the guys rolled the car, and we were just sat in the grid just there because it was red flag, and they were showing it on repeat over and over in the grid, and that was a really scary thought. That's when it kind of hit, and you're like, yeah, that could have been us. Mm. And that was the hardest part, you know, trying to get back into the car afterwards, realising that you're very lucky. Just you've seen that, you, you know it's possible now. That's the hardest part of mentality, but you've just got to forget about it, I think. And over the comms, you've got a guy who could race engineer. He tells you a lot of strategies, but he's also equally as important for kind of calming you down. They're very good at that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So obviously, obviously you've said you've seen some accidents. Have you ever sort of injured yourself or had any accidents while you've been racing? Um, yeah. So I was at a race, Alton Park. It's kind of a countryside track. Right, yeah. I'd say it's my favourite track. But it's also a very narrow track. It's a very hard track to overtake on. Um, and neither of us wanted to give up this position. We, we are really pushing it and it comes so you've got two corners before this um and it goes into a right hand hairpin that is a very tricky one and it slightly cambers outwards a bit 
we were going around there. I was trying to go around the outside. It was quite, I'd say, a daring move. But yeah, I accidentally clipped his car, and as it was open wheel, you don't just nudge them and you're fine. The wheel throws you around and you get chucked into a wall. And I remember I broke my wrist because I was still holding the steering wheel. Yeah. And it just throws out your hands. And I broke that and I broke a couple of ribs when I hit the wall. That wasn't fun. Mm. So um, from what I understand about that, it's like the um, when you put like huge force feedback onto a wheel and then you crash and then you just go. Yeah, that I can't imagine how. How how did you like how did did you develop a strategy through that to stop that happening again? Like when you know you're heading to a wall, you just go like take your hands off and yeah. So you don't normally. I take my hands off. So the thing that I do is I just take it off and I like grab my seat belts and I just cross my arms and kind of prepare basically. Hmm. But. This, this one was almost different because it happened in the actual hitting him. So I was still, still I wasn't expecting. It. Yeah. And, and that's what did it. I was still holding. But yeah, if you expect it, you normally let go. Although some drivers don't. And I think that's a really weird concept to me. So if you look to likes of Lewis Hamilton, he actually holds the wheel in a lot yeah. of accidents. Yeah, I've seen... Uh, I've seen Lance Stroll do something similar where he's heading towards the floor and I'm ju- and I'm looking at his hands and just thinking, mate, let go because it's not going to be good. And then and then he doesn't and it, I'm I'm sat there probably much like you are and going, what? Why? Yeah, Nico Rosberg did a bit of commentary on that actually. So he did the, he does the same as what I do and just lets go. Except he was talking about it on Lewis, and Lewis likes to keep holding on to it. And whilst it's a very risky game, it also saves him a lot of time because then the wheels don't break in the car and he seems to be able to drive it away a bit. So I think every driver does something different and they handle it differently each time. So it's ideally it's on what you want to do. And I think you find that knack over enough time. Mm. Yeah. So um Obviously, with this, this sport, I assume there's a, a lot of traveling around. And so, basically, have you traveled around a lot? And if so, what was, would be your favorite place you've raced? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I've traveled around a fair bit, actually. I would say my favorite place that I've been to is probably Finland. It's, mm. it's a unique place. It, it feels quite quiet there. There's a lot of lakes there's a lot of forests so it's a very quiet place there but it's not just a place it's the people they it's like in their culture in their blood that they drive you go there and you see these like the age that i was starting in karting they're in full-on cars tanking around some rally roads yeah the roads to go to like their corner shops are like full-on rally stages (laughs) because we just drive down a straight road i'm at tesco's amazing whereas they've got to go on a rally station i think that's why some of them are so good drivers because their roads are so bad yeah it's yeah your first like memory of if i asked you your first memory of motorsport what comes into your head immediately first memory of motorsports probably back in the 
karting series. Um, I remember we were karting. It was a really wet day. And we had some slick tyres on in the wet. Um, slight issue, though. I'm not some, like, Max Verstappen that can just handle Yeah. That. I remember it was probably my second or third time actually going karting. I probably got five minutes out of there and I crashed it into a wall quite quickly. Yeah. What, um, what would you say, then, out of your experience and your career, you could say um, driving, what would you say is your best achievement um i think my best achievement probably comes from the coaching aspect and the more engineering side of it because to me i like to be a bit more critical i don't think i'll ever achieve anything big in terms of racing unfortunately i don't have the finances to go that much further but it's nice to see me giving the other chance to other people. And that's one of the biggest things for me. I think seeing some people develop and helping them win races, it, that's probably the biggest part for me and helping change a team around, helping develop cars quite. It, it's something very rewarding. You know, you can win, you can win a race, but you've still got a whole season to go with it. Whereas developing a car, seeing the car progress is much more rewarding you can see right now you're like i'm part of that i'm responsible yeah interesting um obviously you tend to people who aren't in motorsport tend to think of motorsport as being this very one person just one person in the car but obviously there's this huge team um what is like your favourite thing about being in a team as opposed to this very one-dimensional, just a driver in a car? Um, the fact that I don't need to carry stuff, honestly. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's a good team dynamic. And there's definitely a presence there. Like you, you can always tell who your hierarchy is. But it's quite sad because if I... Say, say I mess up. It doesn't take much and everyone's like, oh, the team should have helped him. The team didn't do this. The team didn't do that. But if I win, it's always, oh, he's done an excellent drive. He's done this. Mm, yeah. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned, people forget the multi-dimensions. There's hundreds of teams in, hundreds of people in hundreds of teams. You've got, like, you've got, so you've got a pit wall that's got the team principal, the race engineers, You've got a few strategists. They're all on that wall. They're, they're equally as important. You've got the engineers who design the car, develop it. You've got the people who change the tyres. They've all got to be on the top of their game. You, you can't just count it on the driver. So if you look into Formula 1 as an example, if all it takes is maybe a small little strategy to go wrong than to hit mm. a lap earlier or to change the tyres a second too slow. Yeah. Hashtag Sebastian Vettel on slicks in the wet. Or if you want to look at it, uh, the two hash drivers at, uh, was it Melbourne? Yeah, because it, it, that, yeah. that was something you don't realise, that they didn't tighten the wheels tight enough and they just fell off. And yeah. That's nothing to do with the drivers, but that small little 
probably split second action from the um real gun people just it cost them the whole race mm, yeah how dependent you are yeah um so obviously you're looking more into um, engineering and sort of uh, coaching side of things now what would you say is your aspirations and i want to say dreams but so what would you like to do follow that through to the future yeah so i think for me it's getting into motorsport as an engineer and designing cars i think to me there's a bit more almost passion there i love the racing aspect of it it means a lot to me but I prefer to design it because as I said earlier, the most rewarding part is seeing a car develop. And whenever I was driving, I was always wanting to know why this works, how it works. And I think my heart's just always laid there a bit more and I prefer to kind of help others and to see how they develop, see how the car develops. Because a lot of motorsport nowadays is relying on the car. It doesn't matter how good of a driver you are. Sometimes if you don't have the car, you're not going to make it. You look at the likes of George Russell, who unfortunately didn't have the right car. Yeah. Um, And so uh, you mentioned earlier as well um, about esports. Now, how how for you has that played a part? And also, how do you think that is going to play a part in the future of motorsport and in general in the future? Um, I think for me, it plays a fair bit of a part, especially over lockdown, because a lot of people are looking elsewhere now for motorsport. If you can drive a good race, you can really get your name out there. You can really get seen your talent mm. as well. Because when you go to a track, people have to be there. People have to visibly see you racing. Whereas on an online game, if you're constantly setting records, if you're on those leaderboards constantly up there, people don't need to see you right away. They'll sort of see, oh yeah, you're kind of up there at leaderboards and then they'll keep an eye out for you for when you are there and they will look for you. And Mm. it it played a bit of a role with getting me there a bit more, helping get me a few more rally deals. That that was one of the big things. But you look to people like James Baldwin who... He only raced in esports and eventually ended up making it into the main thing. He won sort of the gaming contest. Um, they, they put, I can't remember what it was called, they put, I think, 15 drivers, started them at esports and slowly got them into real cars. And then, and yeah, they're, up. they're um, yeah. doing that with um, Formula One esports. There was this person who just finished well and then they said his formula two seat yeah his, his name so, was, um, so, so it's sort of it was a, a bollock bassy or something that was his name wasn't it and he he did really well in uh esports and now he's got a formula two seat yeah yeah and i think that's going to be something that could happen a bit more in the future i think the way that that's happening you're going to see it is a bit more of a respected feeder series because you've got Formula 2 as a feeder series. Formula E is playing not just for a retirement series, but also a feeder series. And I think we could soon start to see esports play in a role as well. And mm. it's happening rallying as well. We've had a guy called John Armstrong. He did sort of national rally. He's done it for quite a long time. 
And then he got very well known from his esports series, F3-1, the Dirt Rally 2.0 and the WRC8. After he won then, he became a commentator for them and even got into the junior WRC. So uh, it, it's happening and I think it's only going to happen more and more as we see some good talent come through. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think finally, um, really, if there is someone who want, who is wanting to either get into esports, get into rallying, get into karting or, or whatever... Do you have any tips for them? Honestly, just get into it. it. It's the sort of thing that you've got to devote time to. and You've got to want it. If you don't want it, you're not going to have it. You need to really have a passion for it. And in a way, you've got to find it yourself. You've just got to spend the time, find your, your technique. Because as much as like me or anybody else could coach you, it has to come from you. You need to have that feel for the brakes when you're slowing down. You need to know when you're steering. That all happens to you. And so it's just, it's going to sound basic, but just practice. You've got to get out there and just take that risk. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, well, it's good. It's been great chatting to you. Now, I thought before we go, obviously, um, it seems you're a bit of an F1 fan. I thought, uh, we get, get your opinions, get your thoughts on this coming season. Who are you thinking for championship Oh, now, I think it depends largely on the cars, but I'm leaning more towards Max Verstappen at the moment, and that might be a very controversial thing. Aaron's quite a big Max fan. Yeah, but I am. <laughs> I'm not saying it because I'm a Max fan or anything. I am. But we, we can currently discard Ferrari. I, I Do don't think? think that. I mean... Really? I mean, okay. They, they might surprise us, but... Because I was thinking this was I'm, the year that they, they were developing their car for. They were going to come back um, with the new changes as well to the rules, but, you know. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't think they take as much of a holistic approach to it and that they could be good, but I think they've got two young talents there. They, they don't have an experienced driver to develop it. Yeah. Carlos is quite engineered like but I don't think he's been there long enough to understand Ferrari's principles whereas if we look to Mercedes Mercedes have a young driver who's very quick and in his prime George to really drive that car mm. but it's still got Lewis who's don't get wrong, a very quick driver and probably also in his prime but he's been at Mercedes a long time he's been driving on times so he knows how to build a car and you can look to Red Bull with Checo and Max and I think Checo acts more as a team player I can imagine a big rivalry at Mercedes starting between Lewis and George and almost having that sort of Nico Rosberg and Lewis yeah. in the 2016 yeah that's exactly what we Max. said uh, uh, last uh, last week in our episode we did some yeah. that's what exactly what we said yeah and I think Max could utilize that I reckon if he plays his cards right, he can always capitalise on them two fighting and making mistakes. Yeah. It, it, it will be interesting to see if Lewis and George develop a Hamilton-Rothberg um, sort of vibe between them. But 
one thing that stopped me from thinking of that is that Mercedes, I reckon, will have, I don't want to say groomed, but I can't, will have nurtured George in such a way that he knows exactly where he stands in that team and it's not going to be race wins. I think the focus will be Hamilton eights. Get Hamilton out. George, you're number one now. Well, that's that was a big concern for me too. And that worried me because I the instant thought there was Valtteri Bottas. He knew his place and he never left his place. Mm, and I yeah. don't want to see another talent lost with George because Valtteri's very talented. But yeah, he just he knew his place and he never left his place. But at the same time, Toto Wolf, he's the manager for George. He's going to have a big bias towards George, but still to Lewis. And so I reckon it could be a rivalry and he tries to leave his bias out of it. Yeah. Well, I guess if they're not careful, it could end up being like a Danny Rick and Max Verstappen crashing into each other in the Red Bulls sort of situation. But yes, let's just hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, No. Well, it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time. What's the score with Aaron and Isaac? Okay, so thank you very much, Josh, for your fantastic insight into the world of uh, rally driving, esports, good uh, driver coaching, all of that. Lots of stuff there. I didn't know for sure. You no, know, it, was, it was very good. Now, it's time, I think, for Quarantine Quickly. Times two. Oh. Getting it all done. Right. What sport did Liam Tancock compete in? Uh, baseball. Swimming. Oh, okay. When I think the thing is, whenever I pick out a specific a- athlete, I've got it no will normally be tied to you. Oh, okay. That's fair enough. Uh, right. From your home. Now, I put your home into Google Maps. From oh, me? your home. Right, okay. How many miles is it to the Stade de France? Oh, okay. Uh, lots, lots and lots. <laughs> um, okay, direction. 650, 650 miles. Minus 300 from that and you got it for 349 oh. miles. Okay, there you go. <laughs> there you are. So, if you really want to know where Isaac lives, you can find you find his home. Go three hundred. <laughs> what did you say? Three hundred and what? Three hundred and forty-nine miles from the Stade de France. Yeah, in any direction. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go go for it, lads. Now it's time for us to look in our kit bag and pull out our strawberries, which aren't quite ripe yet. Our cream, which hasn't been clotted yet, and. Have a little taste. It'll taste terrible, but that can only be one thing. It's time for game, set, and match. Here we go. All you have to do is guess the sporting moment. Sounds easy. There must be a catch. You will get three clues, and then you start a guessing. This is game set. Okie dokie, game set and match. It's the big one, ladies and gents. Right, on your coin toss this week. Uh, this probably doesn't mean anything to anyone, but on one side of the coin is Israel Adesanya, and on the other side is Robert Whittaker. Robert Whittaker, because it's the only one that I can say. 
Uh, it is related to Sunya, but uh, mm-hmm. so if you're interested, that is UFC fighters this weekend is related to Sunya versus Robert Whittaker, the rematch. So that's interesting to some people, including myself. Okay. Okay. Um, Israel Adesanya is the best. He he will probably win. Uh, Okay. I want, so that means I'm going to read my clues to you first, I've decided. Okay. Your first clue this week. 1998 NBA title. Uh, Michael Jordan. I mean, yes. He's in it. Okay. He's he's part of it. Okay. Your second clue. Chicago Bulls legend. Not a clue. The only legend I know from the NBA is from the Lakers. That's the one I mentioned. Right, okay. Um, your your third clue, final shot. Right, so this Chicago Bulls legend, who I'm going to say is Michael Jordan, even though I think it's wrong, uh, did a last-minute shot to win them the NBA. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So Michael Jordan did play for Chicago Bulls. Um, oh, uh, uh, this was the so this is a final shot in two ways Michael Jordan took the final shot of the whole championship to win it the championship the NBA title for Chicago Bulls in 1998 but it was also his final shot for Chicago Bulls the final shot oh, okay. in a Bulls uniform um, so yeah that's your sporting moment basically good stuff very very nice now i will read mine to you as is the way the game works uh your first clue is tennis rankings tennis racket rankings oh ranking i told tennis racket um let me see tennis ranking will go the what is it when um Andy Murray was number one for a while. No. Okay. Your second clue, 311 weeks. The longest time spent at number one. Yeah, I need a bit more. The longest... Hang on, 311 weeks. The longest man at number... I don't know. Your third clue, Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic is the longest player at number one for that long. Yeah. Djokovic's record for the most weeks at number one in the male tennis rankings. Well done. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I basically got it on the second one. Yeah. But I didn't get Djokovic, obviously. Okay. Well, there you go. Good stuff from Game Setter Match this week. There'll definitely be another one of those next week, so stay tuned for that. Okay. Before we move on, it's time for Corner Taken Quickly again. Oh, no! Uh, and in keeping with the eSports theme this week, uh, we are going with your question. What game championship in 1980 attracted more than 10,000 participants? And I've, uh, if you're really struggling, I've got some options for you. I've got some uh, uh, okay. multiple choice. I am uh, struggling. Was it Pac-Man? Was it Frogger? Was it Space Invaders? Or was it Asteroids? Oh, it's either Pac-Man or... Uh, what was the other? What were the other ones? Pac-Man, Frogger, Space Invaders, or Asteroids? It's either Pac-Man or Space Invaders. What year? Uh, 1980. What game championship in 1980 attracted more than 10,000 participants? Space Invaders. Yes, it was. Thank you. There you go. The impact of Space Invaders on the video game industry has been compared to that of the Beatles in pop music. There you go. Interesting. One of the games of the 80s. There. Uh, okay. 
Now then, it's time to move on to a bit of guess the score action. Now, last week we did a Formula One special, so we didn't, uh, well, we didn't guess any. So this week we're just going to guess the upcoming sports instead of reviewing uh, last week's ones. So to start us off, shall we head to Old Trafford? No, 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 no. I, I think we should uh, move on. <laughs> Interestingly, I think we'll stick at Old Trafford if you don't mind. Okay, um, okay. Man United. Playing? Well, they played Saints. So oh, right. If, if you're listening to this episode out of context, that might sound a bit of a weird outburst from Aaron. However, Man United are rubbish and Saints yeah. destroyed, well, not destroyed, but they put up an amazing performance against Spurs last night on Wednesday the 9th. Um, so, you know, I've, do you know, I am actually going to say Saints win. To Burnley. Yeah, exactly. Um, Saints are in the top 10 now. They're 10th. Man United down in fifth. Um, so it's oof. it's actually a tough one to call. Saints are on a lot better form. You drew to Burnley. You drew to Middlesbrough and then they beat you um, on penalties. And, and then and you drew to Villa as well recently. Saints actually having beaten Spurs, beating Coventry, beating Brentford and Swansea. So they're on much better form than you. Uh, so I'm going to go... I'm going to go 1-0 to Saints, and do you know what? It's going to be a James Ward-Prowse free kick. Okay, James Ward-Prowse. Right, I've gone uh, 2-0 to Saints because, quite frankly, man, you haven't got a hope in hell if they perform like they did Tottenham last night. <laughs> okay, yeah. Right, I think we should head to Turf Moor for a bit of Burnley and Liverpool. Good shouts. Liverpool away at Burnley this week then. Uh, the lads this evening play Leicester. This is Thursday, so obviously we don't know what happens there yet. Um, currently at the moment, Liverpool are second, uh, 12 points behind City, obviously with Leicester's game today in hand. Um, they also got two games in hand, obviously one of those being Leicester. Um, and Burnley are actually at the bottom of the table. <laughs> so What are they? Yeah, they're actually bottom. Oh, okay. Uh, Stats-wise, Liverpool have won five of the last six and drawn the other one. So we're actually back on form, I would say. Burnley having drawn three, one to Man U. And actually, that's even worse due to Burnley and their bottom of the table. Just realised. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's going to be Liverpool 3-0. Liverpool okay, I've gone 3-1 because I back uh, Sean Dyche to do some good stuff any day. Okay, let's head over to St. James's Park then for Newcastle versus Aston Villa on Sunday. Uh, What a game this could be. Now, realistically, you think Villa are the better team, right? They're 11th, Newcastle's down in 17th. However, well, yesterday's game as well, um, Villa played Leeds. Uh, Villa played Leeds yesterday, and what a cracker that was as well. Um, Leeds were 1-0 up. Then it was 3-1 to Villa, and then it finished 3-0. Philippe Coutinho has played two goal games for, for Villa, and he scored two goals. Um, so what a cracking game this could be. Yeah, Newcastle but... beat Everton as well uh, the other day, which is huge. I personally think Everton are going down this year, not just because I'm a Liverpool fan, just because they're rubbish. Uh, and Newcastle are on a rise, to be fair. Um, Stats-wise, they've won their last two and drawn against Watford. So, you know, um, Villa aren't on the best of form. Although they have beaten Everton recently, um, it's it's a tough one to call. I'm going to go. As much as I love Steven Gerrard and Philippe Coutinho, it's going to be two-one Newcastle. Okay, I've gone two-two draw because we, I don't normally go for 
uh, many draws. However, here's my thinking. They're both on the rise. They're both probably they're both probably equally as good as each other, and I'd like to see a four goal thriller. Okay, good idea. Uh, I think let's run along to Old Trafford once more for Manchester United and Brighton. Yes, Tuesday, February 15th. Uh, my dad's birthday, actually. There you go. Oh. Um, yes, Man United play Brighton. Uh, I think this might be one of the rescheduled ones, actually, because um, there's literally uh, yeah, no other Premier League yeah, that week. Yeah. yeah. So um, Man United, Brighton. Now, table-wise, Brighton are ninth currently, obviously, with a game at the weekend. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 to Brighton. Okay, I'm going to one two Man U because Man U have to win at least with something, and I can't think of any team better to do that than Brighton, who I don't, I don't rate them as such. I think they're they are a good team, though. Yeah. Okay. Finally, Um, then let's head over to the wonderful Giuseppe Mazer Stadium for for Liverpool versus Inter Milan. Inter Internationale Milano Dital and some words in Italian. Exactly. Um, another Champions League away day for Liverpool this week. Uh, round of 16, so the first knockout game. Uh, Liverpool do sort of... Obviously, they have to win, otherwise they're out. Um, but I mean, you uh, are saying the obvious there, I'm afraid. Yeah. In terms of form, we've spoken about Liverpool's form. Um, Inter Milan, also a decent form, having beaten Juventus recently, uh, which is obviously massive. They beat Roma recently. They did lose to AC Milan recently, um, so that's quite big as well. Um, oof. It's a tough one to call. I'm going to say 2-2. And then Liverpool win okay. on penalties. Okay, and then... Don't, aren't, aren't we doing legged anymore? Uh, you make a good point. Possibly. Okay. I'll just I'll say 2-2. Do... Yeah. Okay, we'll just put 2-2 and we'll count it on goals because I can't remember either. Um, I'm going... To... I don't... I'm with you. Tough one to call. So I'm going to go with a very boring 1-0 win to Inter Milan. Okay, then. Well, that's all of our guesses this week. I just mentioned, obviously, Champions League and Europa League resumes next week. No, next week. Europa League, Barcelona have moved down, I think, because they were knocked out of the Champions League. I'm not sure how that works, uh, but obviously Europa Conference League as well happens. Again, not sure how that works. Um, in terms of Premiership Rugby, then, uh, tomorrow, Friday the 11th, Aaron, it's the Derby. Bristol play London Irish. Oh my word! It's, it's a it's a home derby for Isaac. It's at Ashton Gate. Uh, you know, Bristol are on decent form recently. London Irish in eighth, Bristol still in tenth. But we've moved up a place, um, two places. I'm going to say Bristol win. It's got Bristol. We've got to beat London Irish. If we okay, don't, what, then I will never live what, it down. <laughs> yeah. What England players do you have? Uh, Carl Sinclair. I think that's it. Okay. And we've got so Callum Sheedy who plays for one. Wales. Oh, and Harry Randall. Okay, so, so you're missing three. London Irish are missing none because they don't really have any international players. You're missing Ollie Hustle Collins. Oh, he's yeah, but he's like, oh, yeah, he's under 20, isn't he? No, he's, he's in the England squad, the main squad. Okay. Um, yeah, so that'll be a good game. Bristol should win. And then more Six Nations, round two. Uh, last week, we just thought I'd give you a brief update then on the fantasy. <laughs> um, I did well! Aaron, right, so what happened? When we recorded last week, me and Thomas, who you might remember was uh, our guest last week for the Formula One, we actually helped Aaron pick uh, his team. No, you didn't! Yeah, we did! 
Um, what and... help did you give me? Just, oh, they aren't playing. And then no, I said, we told you oh. who's good to pick anyway. Um, and by the end of the Saturday, uh, Aaron was top. <laughs> so I was a yeah. bit annoyed. Um, however, I did end up, as you know, uh, Thomas won in the end, who was our guest last week. Yeah. So well done to him. We've got 10 players. Uh, me and Aaron actually came joint fourth in the end. Uh, I'm very confident in myself this week. I'm not going to give anything away. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it. Aaron, what have we learned this week? This week we have learned that even if you love the Six Nations, and one thing you definitely shouldn't do, is drop kick a cat for... <laughs> also, also, you shouldn't pick Natanak when he ain't going to kick. Yeah. But, you know... However, we all make mistakes in life. However, not many of them result in criminal charges brought by the by Ethic Police. Cheers. However, as bad as it was, I'm tempted to put Kurt Zuma in my rugby fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, that, that's good enough to get you a spot on Jimmy Carr's career enders. But before I say any more on that, either quickly stop the recording. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Hope you've enjoyed the interview this week. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. What's the score with Aaron and Isaac?